So today I'm going to talk to you guys about something that I call the drift. And I became aware of the drift recently during this last year. I don't know if, know if you guys knew this or not, but there's a pandemic going on um, in our country and it's in the world. And it's this big, huge, crazy deal. And it's really, really affected a lot of people in a lot of ways. Some directly from the virus itself and some indirectly from the results of what has happened from us having to quarantine and be at home and life just kind of changing in ways that we didn't necessarily think they could change. And so for me, what I've noticed recently is I've been getting in places in my life in certain areas and recognizing that I'm not exactly where I want to be in those places. And I don't remember ever having a moment where I said, starting today, I'm going to be different here. But rather, things have gradually changed since last March and changed me into a different person in a lot of ways that I'm not particularly proud of. So today, what I want to talk to you guys about is what we're going to call the drift, right? And pretty simply put, the drift is this, very easy definition. I made this up, so don't, it's not like in a book or anything. It's when we slowly move from something we want to be to something we don't want to be, right? So we were. So let's use some examples, okay? So let's say marriage, right? So marriage has been hammered this last year. It has been hard to be married this last year. It really has. If, if you have kids at home, you understand. If you don't have kids at home, you probably also understand. Remember when you were first got married and, oh, I wish we didn't have to work. I wish we could just stay at home and just be with each other every day. And then it happened and you're like, well, <laughs> maybe not every day, right? So that happens, right? And so you've got this idea, though, of what you want marriage to look like. This is how we were married. We were doing it this way. We had kind of our routine set. This is what we were doing. You know, it was a godly marriage, and we were pursuing it the right way. But then you just kind of slowly over time, stuff starts happening. We'll talk about what the stuff happens in a second is. But then you just drift into this point where you're like, my marriage right now looks nothing like I want it to look like. Like, it's, I'm not ha I've drifted to this point of marriage where I'm like, what is going on? Like, how did I get here? What just happened? You know, there's lots of other areas where this stuff's going on. For me, and again, all of these are just basically <laughs> how I'm doing horrible at life right now. So I hope that some of this will relate to some of you guys right now. Self-control, like my anger. I am like the least angry person on earth prior to March of last year. But for some reason, I've just gotten like so angry at stuff. And I didn't wake up one morning and say like, you know what? Today I'm just going to start being a jerk to my family and I'm just going to start being angry at everyone all the time and I'm going to have the shortest fuse ever. I didn't wake up and say that, right? But slowly over time, events have occurred that I've drifted into being like angry. I like pulled my MyCBCB sticker off my car because I don't want anyone to know where I go to church because I am a rough driver right now. Like I am, I mean, do not cut me off in traffic. We'll have a conversation through the windows. Like it's a thing. I'm like, I'm like angry right now over stuff. But again, it's like this gradual thing where I've turned into this person I don't want to be, and I feel like yesterday I was fine. But slowly it starts happening. You know, physical and mental health right now. Mental health right now is, is out of control. It, it's just a huge problem. Someone was telling me the other day that the suicide rates in this area are up like 250%, and we're just slowly just drifting, and, and many things happen and occur to it, and I'm not, I'm not selling anything short with mental health stuff, but we just slowly drift to this point to where we get to where we're not where we want to be with certain things, and it just slowly starts to happen. You know, the big thing for me, there's two big things. Faith is a huge one, and we're going to circle back to faith and kind of the drift, I think, that a lot of us have felt in our walk with Christ and our journey and kind of doing the things that we know we're supposed to be doing as believers. And that's who I'm talking to today, our believers, that we've kind of just slipped in our faith a little bit. 
we're going to circle back to that. The big one for me and the one that kind of sparked this whole thing today, this whole talk today, is parenting. Um, and I will tell you, this has been a rough year to be a parent. Uh, it's just been weird, and it's been hard, and we're always around each other, and then we had to do the online thing for a while, and that was really weird and really scary and really frustrating, and we're just fighting all the time, and there's nowhere to go, and we're just kind of stuck, and then we can't get back into the routine, and we started off great, and it was super fun. Remember those first couple weeks when we were quarantined, guys, parents? Man, that was so fun. That was just like the best. We were just hanging out, sleeping late, like doing all the stuff we wanted to do. And then it was like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. And it was like, well, you have to still do it. This is just, this is what we're doing now. And it just really started to affect me. And I'll, I'm going to give you some, this couch is an important illustration today. Because parenting hit me the most because I don't consider myself to be great at many things. But I do consider myself, and call it arrogant if you want, I consider myself to be a great parent. I really take a lot of pride in being a really good dad. I really do. And this last year, I have just just plummeted in my dadding. I have just really, really, really not done a great job in being a parent. And, it, and I realized it the other day because I've become what I've never wanted to be, and that is a couch parent. And what I mean by that is this. So typically, prior to March of last year, if I have issues with my kids, right? So let's say my son... Uh, comes into the room and says, hey, Ellie, my seven-year-old, tried to stab me with a fork, right? So a normal occurrence in our house. I would say, Ellie, Graydon, you guys come in here. Let's have a talk about what happened. And we'll go through all the details of what happened, and we're going to pray about it, and we've got seven different options for solutions, and we're doing all of these things. Let's make a pros and cons list. We're doing all of these things, right? That's exactly how we should parent. I took a ton of pride in being patient with my kids, patient with my family, and handling things the right way. That's how it started off, right? That's where I want to be as a parent. What it slowly has drifted to is, is them coming to me and us having a conversation to somehow slowly I've moved to right here where I'm on the couch. Dad, Ellie tried to stab me with a fork. Okay, you guys come in here. Hey, you know, we're having the talk. Ellie, don't stab your brother with a fork. You know, that kind of thing. And I'm less and less with like how important it is that we really resolve this the appropriate way and just kind of want her to not try to stab him with a fork, right? So that moves into me kind of just being, where, where's my trusty remote here? My TV, just right here. You guys know this position, don't you? Right here, watching TV. I just want to watch TV. I'm not even watching anything. I just kind of just don't want to listen to anything that's going on in my house right now, right? And so, Dad, Ellie tried to stab me with a fork. Ellie! Ellie! And I'm not even getting up anymore. Like, if she's not here, then we're not, we're not facing to face anything. Ellie! Don't, don't try to stab Graydon with a fork. Please don't stab him with a fork. <sighs> right? So there I'm there. So the next position, maybe you guys are familiar with this one too. I'm right here, and I'm just laying watching TV, and it's, uh, Dad, Ellie tried to stab me with a fork. Dad, Ellie tried to stab me with a fork. Dad, Ellie, okay. Hey, are you hurt? No. <laughs> are you bleeding? No. Then I don't care. Ellie, I don't, just stab him. Stab him with the fork next time. I'm tired of talking about it, right? So I've drifted, <laughs> I've drifted to this parent where I'm parenting from the couch, right? And, and that's a, it's a silly, you know, it's a silly story, and unfortunately kind of true, but it's a silly story, but that's just kind of where I'm at now, right? I'm not, I'm not doing the face-to-face -face parenting. I'm not. I'm just reacting on the couch, and if they're near cool, and if they're not near cool, and half the time I'm just putting like a pillow over my face and hope they don't see me when they come in the room because I don't want to talk to them at all, right? Because I'm tired of it. It's been a horrible, weird year. 
And I've just drifted, and it's like, and I realized that the other day because I was doing my couch parenting, and I was getting on my son, he was being mean to, <clears throat> to my daughter, and I said, hey, listen, how you treat her is how she's going to think men are supposed to treat her. So treat her better than this. Pretty good advice, right? Like, that was pretty good. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. It was between commercials. I was like, hey, that just came to me. So I said it. <laughs> now get out of the way. I'm watching TV. But as soon as I said that, you know what went in my head? As soon as I said it, I just felt so convicted by the Spirit in that moment. Because I heard God say, hey, dummy, how you parent your kids are how they, they're going to parent their kids. So if you want your son to be a good dad, he either needs a good example of a good dad or he's going to watch what you're doing right now and say, I don't want to be that kind of a dad. Which one do you want? Oh, right? And in that moment, I realized I have been drifting and I've been kind of hiding it. But you know what? The more people I talk to, you know what's going on? We're all drifting, right? We're all drifting. So why is this happening? How does this happen? I'm going to first, I'm going to start off by showing you a graph, okay? I'm going to show you a graph on the screen behind me. And this comes from a book. Uh, it's called The Plateau of uh, Latent Potentials, The Graph. The book is called Atomic Habits. It's a, by a guy named James Clear. It's a really cool book. One of my new habits I was trying to start this year is I'm going to start reading more, right? Like that's one of the things. I know I should be doing it. I know I should be reading more. Total transparency. I'm only like five chapters in and I started in January. So I'm still a work in progress, okay? I'm still working on it. This book is called Atomic Habits, but it's a great book about kind of changing habits in really small ways. It's really cool. This is a special edition copy that has maple syrup and my uh, one-year-old's illustrations on the front. So I was going to give it away, but I realized it looked like that. So nobody wants that. It's kind of sticky. But in that book, there is this thing called the plateau of latent potential. And so what this is is essentially talking about you see that diagonal line going up. It's when we start to make changes and we want to make changes and making ch changes in our habits, we have this idea of what things are supposed to look like, right? We think they should be going on this trajectory, but in reality, we see that curved line underneath it. That's what actually happens. And it goes much slower than we want it to go. And then eventually his point is, if you really push through, your potential can take you further than your actual expectations. And I love this graph for a couple of reasons. One, as Christians, this is like the best graph ever because that little gray area there is what he calls the valley of disappointment right? That's when you think it should be going this way, but it's really going this way. And how many times as believers, especially over this last year, we're like, this is not how it's supposed to be going. It's not. And then we just live in this valley of disappointment. So there's one more slide and I'm going I'm to kind of break it up. It's the, same, it's the same graph, but here's the issue I think that's happening. That's helping us or causing us to get in this drift is that we are kind of just living like every day waking up in the valley of disappointment because of how the world is going right now, right? All of you are probably in the valley of disappointment in some area of your life as a result of how the world has just shaped up over this past year. Nod your head if you're with me a little bit with this. Okay, some of you, right? So I'm not saying life's horrible. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. And I, I don't want this to be just like this like downer message. But in reality, we're really starting off in this valley of disappointment, which is okay to be in, especially if you can persevere and push through it. And again, as believers, you know, that part where it curves up, I mean, that's heaven, man. Like we win. Like it ends fine for us, but right now we're kind of stuck in that valley of disappointment. And the choice is to push through it and persevere or we get stuck in the drift when something else occurs. The next thing that, that happens here is this. I believe the drift happens when this valley of disappointment meets deception or negative justification. So hang with me on this, okay? 
So we're in this valley of disappointment, right? We're kind of starting off defeated, right? In some area, in some way, shape, or form. And these two don't have to be on the same plane. They can just be different things. But we're, we're upset about something, right? So I'm bugged about how horrible I am as a parent. And then I start getting this deception, which I, this is a church thing to say, but I think Satan is real, guys, and I think he finds the cracks, and I think he just goes after you wherever he can, and he will figure it out. He's pretty good. He's pretty good, right? So I'm there frustrated with what a miserable parent I am, and I am just mad and frustrated. And in my head, I have somehow convinced myself in this moment, I think it's a great idea for me to pick a fight with my wife because I'm just kind of mad, and I just kind of want to fight right now. Normally, right, if, I, if, I, if I'm in a decent spot, I'll push through that and say, that's not how you handle it. You're an adult. What are you doing? This is, you're, you're a Christian man. That's not how you, you don't act that way. But do I do that? No, because I'm in the valley of disappointment. And Satan is in my ear, man. He's just in my ear telling me, it's fine, do this. And so, of course, what do I do? You know, I get home, and we're sitting down, and I'm so frustrated because I've just dropped the ball as a parent once again. And I look at Jen, and I say, <laughs> I'm the worst. And so I'll say something like, you know, it'd be nice if the house was a little cleaner when I got home. Like, why would I say that? Like, what? I mean, why would I say that? I would never say that. Look at your the women's faces in this room at my face. I'm not, that's not me, guys. I'm trying. I'm working through it. Why would I say that? What a horrible, miserable person I am, right? Like, I'm with you. I'm with you. But I'll just say it, and I'll just justify it, right? We do this all the, with all of the things we're slipping with will give the justification for why we shouldn't do it, right? We've done this all the time with working out, right? We're just like, I'm working out. I look exactly the same, right? So perseverance would say like, no, keep going. If you read this book, it's like 1% better every day, you'll get there kind of a thing. You can do that or you can do what a lot of us are doing right now, which is like, what's the point? I'd rather just sleep this morning. Why would I get up to run? I ran the other day. I'll run tomorrow. I'm not going to do it. And then we slowly just start allowing ourselves to give in to this deception while in this valley of disappointment, and it starts to take us further and further and further away. I'm going to give you a real one right now. Pornography. Let's talk about pornography a little right now. Pornography is out of control right now. Out of control. One website called Pornhub gets about two billion more views than Amazon every year. So to say that we don't have a problem within this church is false. There's an issue. There's an issue with pornography. But listen, justification is so sneaky because you can get in that spot where you're like, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but this kind of makes sense. Watch this. I'm in a valley of disappointment in marriage, right? And we're fighting. And we're kind of fighting a lot about how things are going in the bedroom, right? Like that's just a fight that just keeps happening and it's getting uglier and uglier and uglier and uglier. And I don't wanna fight about it anymore. I don't wanna have this fight. I don't wanna pick a fight with her. I don't wanna have the fight. There's pornography. Look at pornography. I'm not gonna have the fight with her. I'll have immense guilt and many issues afterwards, but I can deal with those right now because I don't wanna fight with my wife. Can you see how that justification can start to play and deception can start to play a huge part when you're living in this vulnerable state in this valley of disappointment? Are you with me on that? The big one for me, parenting, I'm going to give you kind of a silly illustration here that's going to require a lot of movement by me. 
on how justification can work. I'm, this story's going to end with me saying, I don't want to be your parent anymore, okay? So stay with me. You're, and you're going to agree with me <laughs> that you know and can understand why I would say I don't want to be, don't I sound like a great human being in this message? <laughs> I told you I'm, I'm broken, okay? So here's the, here's the story. I've got these kids, three of them. I love them. They're great. They've just been kind of just driving me crazy. I'll show a picture. You'll probably understand when you see them what horrible kids they are. Here comes a picture of them. Right? See, you guys get it, right? You understand why I'm such a bad dad. Not really. They're awesome. Look at them. How can I, like, not be happy with them all the time? But I'm not. Okay, so I'm in the drift, guys. Stay with me. I'm in the drift, okay? So I've got <laughs> Graydon. He's 13. Issues we have with Graydon right now is he's, thir he's 13, right? So he's 13. We've got a lot of stuff. Graydon will say like the most profoundly intelligent thing I've heard and blow my mind with facts and statistics and stuff that I had no idea of. And then, you know, he'll make fart jokes for five minutes at the dinner table and we can't get him to stop. Like it's just, it's just, this, it, it's like, and, and he's very, he does this thing. Okay. Ugh. Okay. Let me get to that. He makes this noise, right? This like grunting noise of disappointment when we tell him to do like the most like everyday type things, right? So Graydon, I need you to take a shower. What? Are you serious? I can't believe it. And he does this thing over and over. And if you have a teenage boy, you're familiar with this noise. If you don't, this sounds weird, but hang around teenage boy. He can't believe it. Graydon, you have to put shoes on. What? Are you serious? I can't believe it. I'm not, uh, 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 I want to watch Dude Perfect. Like that's just like our whole entire, Fortnite. Like that's just our whole entire life right now. It's just like this constant thing with him. So we've got that it was him. Ellie is seven, the funnest person ever. She's, she's over there. She's got the ears. That's Ellie. She's fantastic. She's great. You know her. She's a fireball. She's fantastic. A little dramatic, a little theatrical. Like when things go bad with Ellie, things are going bad with Ellie. And we're all going to know about it, and there's going to be a big, huge kind of production about how horrible things are. So we got kind of that issue with Ellie we're dealing with right now. Ophelia, almost two years old. We call her O.O., right? So O.O. has this thing. This is kind of embarrassing, but I'm sharing with you because it's kind of what we're struggling with right now. She is about this tall. Her reach is about right in here. And she has this thing that she's discovered where she can pinch me. And it is hilarious. When she pinches me, and it's not like an adorable pinch. It's like a mom grabs you under your arm right there kind of a pinch, and it drops me. Like, it is a problem, and she's doing that. So I got these three problems with my kid. None of these problems on the surface are very big surfaces, but over the course of time, we drift, right? And those things just start wearing. Uh, uh, I'm getting that all the time, and Ellie's, oh, life's horrible. And Ophelia keeps pinching me. Like, she just keeps doing it, and it's horrible, and it's miserable, and I start getting to that point. So one day, here's a story, kind of true, kind of not true. All these things happen, though, but I want you to know you're going you're gonna to agree with my justification after this. I'm sitting there, right? Graydon, hey, bud, it's time to bathe. Okay, what? No. He goes into his whole thing. Great, you're going to take a shower, bud, right? So normally this is funny. We're laughing about it, and, you know, we, we laugh at Graydon sometimes. But in a way, he understands why we're laughing. Hey, okay, we get it. You don't want to take a shower. And he just keeps going. I'm not going to do it. I'm not taking a shower. Why don't I take a shower? I took a shower yesterday. What does it matter? I don't care if I stink. I don't even like girls right now. What does it matter if I stink? It doesn't matter. I'll put deodorant on. What does it matter? I don't stink. I, don't, what, I have to make my bed. I have to brush my teeth. I have to take a shower every single day. I don't want to do that. I did it yesterday. I don't want to do it today. This is, like, this is it. And so finally, call Mike says, hey, you're taking a shower. You got 10 seconds to get in the shower. What? I can't get in there in 10 seconds. Right? So you have 10 seconds to get in the shower. 10. And I start doing the countdown thing, right? Like that ever works. So I start doing the countdown thing, and he's friend. Blah, blah, blah. So now I'm, like, super mad at Graydon. Okay? 
I'm super, I'm like red angry. And I'm telling Jen, why does he always do this? Why does he always do this? I, like, he, he has to shower every day. S- stop doing this, right? So then here comes Ophelia. Ophelia has what we like to call the E.T. walk. You guys remember E.T.? So E.T. kind of had this thing right here, right? Pretty adorable. So I'm, I'm, I'm mad at Graydon. Where, where's, where's Ophelia at? So I can kind of like hear like the little footsteps, right? So here comes Ophelia right here. She's walking up. She does this thing. Dada. She does that to me. Dada. And puts her arms up. And I'm like, yeah, that, I need a hug. Thank you. Reach down to hug her. Boom. Pinches me. Drops me. Like, I mean, guys, guys, like drops me. Like, I'm, I'm here. You know, I can't, I can't breathe. Like, I'm right here. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I can't. And I just, I'm here. And it's like, Ophelia, you can't. You can't pinch me like that anymore. And I'm just here. And about this time, I hear the noise of a flying seven-year-old. And she goes, Ellie comes in, both knees pretty hot right in my back, trying to play with me, which then takes me to this position here where I am on the ground. And I say, Ellie, (laughs) you can't do that. And she looks at me. This is a true story, guys. She looks at me and says, why does everybody in this family treat me like a peasant and runs up? Where did you hear that word? So there I am in pain in many areas, just lying face down, you know, a little bit in the fetal position right here. And at which point I say, I don't want to be your parent anymore. (laughs) Should I have said that? No. Can you understand why I said that? Yes. And that is the point of what I'm saying here. Satan is good. He is so good. And a lot of times we are so not prepared for how good he is that he catches us in these moments, in these valleys of disappointment. And then what he does as he starts to get that voice in your head to justify, you can do this, it's fine. It's just this one time, what's the big deal? Or don't parent him, right? Or skip date night, whatever. Like I know you haven't been on a date in six months and you have a chance now, but just do it. And I'm telling you, my parenting stuff, guys, oh, man. I'm, doing, I'm like not just like miserably failing with like the discipline stuff. It'll be just like this. My Ellie will be like, hey, watch me do cartwheels. And I'll be like, ah. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, why would I say that? I would never say that. Like, who am I? Like, how could I possibly get to that point where I'm like, no, I'm just not going to watch any cartwheel. I mean, she does like 15,000 a day, so it's not like it's a one-time thing. But still, I wouldn't say that, right? And I hate how I am. But that's what Satan does, is he catches us in these valleys of disappointment. And this past year is so dangerous for all of us because I feel like we're kind of all constantly living in this valley of disappointment. So for Satan, half that fight is already done. Like, he's already got you down. Now he's just got to put that voice in your head. Give you that negative justification. You can do this. It's fine. Like, what's, whatever. Just ignore him. Don't get up when you parent him. Who cares? If you're sitting on the couch or standing up, who cares? What does it matter? But then we, that becomes a thing. And then it becomes another thing. And then I'm laying down. And then I'm ignoring him. Then I'm telling him to stab each other, right? Like, that's just, I didn't start off there but I drift to that point. So why do we get there? Why do we do it? Why do we drift? And what can we do about it? 
we're going to kind of switch gears here from parenting to talking about faith. Because I believe, I'm talking to a room full of people at a church, that we got to talk about faith. Because faith is really important. And if you're drifting in any area of your life, marriage, self-control stuff, parenting, health stuff, whatever it is, if you're drifting in any area, there's a really, really good chance that your faith is also drifting, right? Because a lot of times what we do is we try to get a hold of everything else taken care of, then we'll let God in. And I think that approach might be off a little bit. And for me, it's been completely off. I'm going to tell you a story from the Old Testament. It's in the book of 1 Kings. And they've got these temples. They've got this temple that, that Solomon has built. And Solomon dies. And it's this amazing temple. Like, it's, it's where the presence of God lives, right? It's where, how they communicate with God in this temple. It's full of these gold shields. It's, like, amazing. So then Solomon's son becomes the king of Judah. And his son, not that great of a dude, starts wasting all of the money, starts having these prostitutes come in. It's just they have these false idols. They just start going crazy. It's just this horrible situation. This king of Egypt comes in and ransacks the people there in Judah and just overtakes the temple and just destroys the temple and steals everything from the temple. So Solomon's son, they're going to rebuild it now, right? And they say, you want to put gold up again? And he says, what about bronze? It kind of looks like gold. It's a lot cheaper than gold. It's a lot easier than gold. We don't have to refine it. Because with bronze, you've got to polish it. When there's imperfections, you polish it. And it makes it look pretty. It doesn't get rid of the imperfections, but it makes it look good. And if you don't do it, it turns green and ugly and really exposes it for what it really is, right? But with gold, you have to refine it, right? You've got to put it in a fire. But if you do that with gold, it removes all the imperfections and makes it pure gold. And they decide, we're going to trade gold for bronze. That's a weird story to tell you until you get to the New Testament and you see this guy Jesus who came and died for us and he paid a really, really, really big price to do it. And he rose from the dead and with us believing in him and trusting in him, we're able to be saved and there's no longer this need for all these sacrifices and these, these big things that you had to do. There's not even really a need for the temple because what he tells us is this. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So we've gone from needing that place to encounter the spirit and presence of God to now right here is where we encounter it. And I think what we're doing is this. I think a lot of us are trading that gold for bronze. And what we're trying to do is put up this really, really, really pretty bronze 
outer coat on our lives that we constantly have to keep up with to make sure it looks exactly how we think it's supposed to look. And we skim past the things that we know we're supposed to do. Life's a mess at home. Let's just make sure that Facebook picture looks good, guys. Like, let's make sure our family looks put together. Let's stay on top of that over here. You know, we have to go to church. If people see that we're not in church, they're going to think something's going on at home. We can't let them know that. Let's polish it over here. We got this bronze. We got all this stuff. We're doing this. I'll tell you when that happens a ton. Um, with, with, with mental health stuff, where there's counseling, where you're like, man, we've got, we've got this teenage kid who has these issues. They're, they're cutting. They have this. They're depressed. They're talking about suicide. There's all these issues. And we know in our heart, like, the thing we should be doing is seeking counseling. But then you're like, uh, they've been good for a couple of days. I think we're okay. We'll just polish this. They're good today. They're good today. And we don't actually deal with anything. We just kind of surface level take care of things. And this is a problem because when we do that, what we're doing is giving our all to the things that we're trying to make look pretty instead of doing the thing that we should do first. And that is to give everything we have to God. And if you say this, but what I have to give to God is so ugly. It's so bad. I'm going to take care of everything else, and then if I can fit God in, I'm going to do it. But, I mean, he's not in, uh, it's me right now, right? I mean, how many of us this year have realized that our faith wasn't quite as strong as we thought it was? Because we were pretty sure that circumstances wouldn't dictate what kind of faith or people that we would become, and then the circumstances changed. And what did we do? Did we stay strong in our faith and exactly the same? Or do we change? We change, right? And there's like this convicting moment of like, oh my gosh, maybe my faith wasn't that strong after all. But if you're not perfect, I want to tell you the point of this is this is the amazing thing about refinement and the spirit of God living inside of you. It doesn't matter that you're imperfect. You don't have to do the refining. God does it. So by you giving God everything that you have, and it's starting with God. Here's what I do. This is going bad. This is going bad. I'm a fixer. Here's 15 plans for this. Here's 15 steps for this. Here's 15 steps for this. And I'll just skip. I'll just take God out of the equation completely. And I'm a godly guy. This must be a godly decision. Instead of me saying like, whoa, pump the brakes here. Let's go to God first. Are we taking care of business with God? Are we giving God everything right off the bat and allowing him to refine me and then lead me and guide me in the areas and ways that I should be doing things? Or am I doing things myself and just kind of polishing and almost hoping that God doesn't see it, right? Hopefully God doesn't know the mess that's actually going on, so we're going to polish here and polish here and polish here instead of saying, I'm broken, I am a mess, and I'm giving it all to you, God, and I'm going to trust that you can do the refining in my life, that you can take these imperfections and make them pure and see me the way that only you can see me. And then from that, different things and different avenues of your life that need work, from that, decisions are made. You can't just put it when I say, where are we drifting? We can't just say marriage, family, health, God. We need to start with God. It needs to start there. And that sounds so churchy, right? I'm like, oh, that's great. That's really not my marriage. Thanks a lot, right? How's that going to help? Hey, give him a chance, man. Give him a chance. I'm telling you, how do I get refined by God? Like, cool, yeah, I want to be refined by God. What does that mean? 
A lot of you know what it means. We've just kind of drifted from it, right? What are ways that God can work through you? You're here right now, right? You're in church. When we come to church, come to church with intent and purpose and try to get something out of worship and try to get something out of this message and allow God to speak to you. Enjoy the community we have here. Say hello to someone. Man, getting your cup filled up is a huge part of it. We're running on empty all the time. Get your cup filled up. Community is a great way to do that. Life groups are a great way to do that. Serving back here is a great way to do it. There's many, many ways. Pray. Remember prayer? Pray. Give God a chance. Be still. Right? Allow God to work through you. Read your Bible. Listen, I've been drifting with my faith, and I was like, man, I'm gonna, I need to read my Bible. I've really fallen off with reading my Bible, like really just not been doing that great. I'm really giving you guys lots of my dirt today, aren't I? Just not doing that great. And the other day I'm like, I got I to gotta get back in the Word, man. Like I am all over the place. And I opened up and I read Ephesians. You want to get refined? Read Ephesians. Right? And you're like, I don't know what I should be doing. Read Ephesians. Great, wonderful place to start. It'll take you about 30 minutes. It's six chapters long. You can understand it. You can do it. Be prayerful. When you go in to read it, God, reveal something to me today that I need to see from this book. Help me become a better person, right? Help me in the areas that I've drifted. Reveal something to me. So I'm just going to read a little bit to you guys right now from Ephesians. This is from Ephesians 4. This is literally the first chapter of the, of, that I read when I was like, oh, I should probably read the Bible. Maybe God's trying to say something to me. It says this. And think about your own life when I'm reading this and see if there's any check boxes that this hits. For the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the, Gentile, the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Ouch. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Ouch. Verse 20 says this, but this isn't what you learned about Christ. All right, so what did Christ do? Since you have heard about Christ, Jesus, and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You were made to be like God, righteous and holy. Isn't that wild that God sees you as righteous and holy? I had a guy tell me this one time. What if you viewed your life as Jesus looking at you as a saint and not a sinner? Because when we're pure, when we're refined, that's how he sees us. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for you're all parts of the same body. Listen to this one. This was like, <laughs> you guys remember that Mike Tyson's punch-out game? Anyways, it was a video game a long time ago on Nintendo. And you could fight the first guy, and he would just kind of just take the punches and lose so you can get to the next guy. And he would just kind of just keep going like this when you punch them. Bom, bom, bom. That's how I feel when I read this part right here. It says this. So, uh, where are we at here? If you uh, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't. Oh! Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Oh, that is such an arrow to my heart. I was so good at that, but now not so much. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. I haven't been stealing. So I've been doing a lot of things bad, guys, but I haven't been stealing, so that one isn't for me. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be encouragement to those who hear them. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Ouch. Remember, he has identified you as his own. You're with God. That's pretty cool. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. 
Here we go. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior instead. So what do we do? Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now listen, I follow some of y'all on social media. (laughs) I'm just saying, (laughs) we might want to poke through those last couple verses after a day, okay? I'm saying, like, this is what it tells us to do, right? You want to get refined, get right there. Start right there. Don't get lost and fall off where where I am right now. I'm like, well, I don't know what's going on. Why is life so horrible? I guess I'll read the Bible. I'm saying start with it. Start. Choose. Choose refinement and not polishing in your life. We want to get out of this drift. It starts with our faith. And we choose refinement. Not anything you have to do wonderfully or perfect. You're not. You're a mess. I get it. God gets it. It's fine. He just wants your all. That's all he wants is everything from you. You give that to him as messy and ugly as it is. He refines you and makes you pure in his eyes. And then you can allow him to live that spirit inside, that temple right here. This is the temple. This is where the spirit lives. Instead of just, just oppressing and just pushing down that spirit and you just polishing up, you just get out of the way and let God do his thing through you and trust and give him a chance that he can do the refining, that he is the God that you promise that he is when you post all these quotes on social media. You know what I mean? Like we're posting all this, these, these super helpful, thoughtful verses. That's awesome we're doing that. And it's great we have beautiful families. But make sure that's a result of these wonderful things that God has given you not to give off this facade that we're some person who's very wise and holy. Instead of caring about working to be holy, just seek holiness through our Redeemer who can refine us by his spirit, which is already there for believers. Are you with me? I'm telling you guys, we got to have a shift here. For me in my life, I have been so far off. I am so embarrassed to give this talk. Like I'm so sad this is on video and I'm so I'm so I'm so video what year is this? I'm so right? Man, when this VH test tape gets out guys, it's going to be a thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like a senior moment. Put it on the list. All right. But there's going to be a thousand people that see this and just see what a miserable person I am right now. But listen, I don't care. I don't care. Because I think it's important for you to see what a mess I am. I think it's important for you to see that there's a chance that God spoke to you today through this mess right here. And I want you to to remember that there's a chance that he can speak through you too. We just got to go to him first. We got to choose refinement, right? We got to trade back that gold for the bronze that we gave him. Get that bronze out of the way. Stick to the gold. The drift happens to all of us. We're all there. We are all admittedly kind of living through this valley of disappointment and uncertainty right now. Satan is all over it. We can sit there and say, just the way it is, just a bad parent now. These circumstances are what they are. What am I supposed to do? Of course I'm angry. Of course I'm a bad parent. There's some, of course I would tell my kids I don't want to be your parent anymore, right? You agreed with me. You're with me, right? Of course you're going to look at pornography right now. You're tired of fighting about that stuff. Of course you're not having date nights. There's nowhere to go. It's harder to go places. There's no babysitters. Of course you're doing that. There's justification for all these things. But make sure that justification is not deception from Satan. Just finding that crack. 
And the way that we can really do that is to first, first go to God and give him everything. And remember, this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And allow him to refine you, not you to polish up things and give off this facade of being this holy person. You're not that holy. You're not. But he is. And he can work through you. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for today. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity to speak here today. Lord, I just pray today that this message just just hit someone that it needed to hit, whether that's here in person or online, whether they see it right now or a week down the line or two weeks or they stumble on this message in a year, Lord. Let us know that this message, just like your word, will, will not return void because we're speaking the truth about you. That no matter where we are in life, Lord, no matter how much we have drifted, and we have all drifted, Lord, let us come to terms with the fact that that's okay. We are where we are, and what we need to do first is not figure out all the ways that we've drifted and things we can do, but rather just start with you, look at our faith, and give you everything we have and trust that you will refine us and remove those imperfections and give us guidance that we need and the wisdom that we need to move forward to become the people that you want us to be so that we can bring glory to you in all the things that we do. And in this messed up, dirty, nasty, ugly world, people will see a light shine through us that doesn't make sense. And that light has nothing to do with us and everything to do with you. Let us just get out of the way and allow your spirit to work through us starting today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, guys. That's all I got. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful day. Don't forget to pick up that Easter card on the way out. I'll be there in the lobby if you want to talk about anything. I'll be there. You guys are awesome.